Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the special episode of We Gotta Talk. So we're in the middle of a special three-part series where we're talking about the realities of COVID from the front line. Um, In the last episode, you heard us speak with a speech pathologist who's helping to teach people how to speak and swallow again after, um, in some instances, having a stroke from COVID. And in this episode, which I'm very excited about, we're speaking with an ER nurse based here in Florida, which is where I am as well. We have uh, Laura Smith, who is a six-year RN. Hi, Laura. She's five years as an ER nurse and the past year has also been an assistant nurse manager in the ER, which I feel like, Laura, is just a long and complicated way of saying, like, you see where all the shit goes down all the time. That's true. Yep. You can't make stuff up ever. <laughs> How's it been the past few months? We should we should mention, and people probably know this by now, but the Delta variant has been spreading rapidly throughout Florida and you're in the middle of it. Is it really that bad? It is bad. It's absolutely worse than the first round that we saw of this. Um, You know, we had that break earlier in the summer where we thought, you know, we were on the other side of this. Um, However, unfortunately, now it's just it's it's way worse than when this first even started happening. Um, It's just infiltrating the entire ER. Um, And the the worst part of it is that the patients are younger. So it's like you can really identify with them. They're they're almost like my 30s, 40s, and they are just, they're struggling. You're just watching these people struggle every day just to take a single breath. Um, so it's it's pretty sad. It's, it's, it's real rough. I feel like people don't want to believe that for some reason, Laura. We're hearing that this variant has been harder on younger people, but there are so many people who are still saying, it's just a virus. It's just a virus. When I hear it from your mouth, someone who's going into work every day and experiencing that, I, it hits. And I hope it hits with everybody else, too. I hope. And, you know, I just I just want people to understand, you know, you always think like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. You know, like even people who are vaccinated, you know, there's there's still that very little chance. So we just we all have to be taking the precautions still and being so careful just because, you know, thankfully, the vaccine has helped immensely. Um, There is just a tiny fraction of patients that are vaccinated, that are doing poorly. It's it's mainly all unvaccinated patients for the most part. Um, but you know, it's it's we still have to just be so careful and just respect this, and that it's still there and it's still climbing the numbers. Here's what I'm having trouble managing from not a medical perspective, of course, but a social perspective. Respecting that people have different opinions about the vaccine, but also not understanding how after speaking to someone like you, they're not convinced that it might be something they should try. How do you deal with that? Let's remove you from the ER for a second and say we're at a friend's dinner and you're encountering someone who's hesitant about the vaccine. Like, how do you respectfully have that conversation? I just would, I would just provide facts. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like an opinionated, fiery conversation. It's just straight up facts. There's a lot on social media, different hospitals posting graphics that are showing the mere fraction of patients that are doing poorly with COVID that have the vaccine. It's just, 
It's pure fact that the unvaccinated population is getting hit so hard. And the younger people too, like the, like I said, thirties and forties, these people are just struggling so hard and you just, it just, it just hurts you watching these people just struggle to take every single breath. And they're, you know, they can't even get up and, and walk across the room without, you know, almost passing out. So it's just, it's hard because you wish that you could bring a camera into the ER and have people see what's going on. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. I want to dial in on some of the specific um, patients without any identifying information. Of course, some of the things that really stuck out in your mind and your experience um, that you've dealt with over the past couple of weeks, was there one patient story that really hit hard? I think just there was there was one woman I had. She was a young mom. Um, it was just it was a brief moment, you know, but all it takes is just a second with a patient to just really stick with you. She was, you know, I was in there helping one of the nurses just get her worked up, get her blood work and EKG and everything. And she was the sound that she was making to try to breathe with having the virus. It was it was like this choking, coughing sound that I hear in the back of my mind whenever I think of her. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, she's just apologizing over and over again because she's making this. And I'm just like, please don't apologize. Um, but it's just, it really resonates with you when you see these people just absolutely struggling to take every breath and they can hardly function. They can hardly even sit there and breathe, let alone walk around. Like I said, they can't even walk, get up and use the bathroom. And these are people that are like you, that are like me, that are young, healthy, and did not get vaccinated. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wondered if there's anybody... I know that your hospital um, probably keeps track of specific numbers, but as patients are coming in, are you made aware of the fact if they're vaccinated or not beforehand? And, and how, if at all, does that, does that impact treatment? Um, a lot of times the, when the ER doctor evaluates the patient, they will ask what, um, you know, if, what their vaccine status is and then which vaccine they got, when they got it, if they had both doses. Um, it doesn't necessarily, I'm not super familiar with how it would change the treatment plan, but it does, it does provide, you know, pertinent information and they are tracking, you know, for, for, um, you know, statistics, what, which part of the population is vaccinated and which is not. And, you know, if they end up in the ICU and so on and so forth. So yeah, they're definitely tracking it. Give me a pie chart here of like, say 60 and older patients, 20 to 40 and then younger like what 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 are the average or if you had to guess again this is purely based on your personal experience who falls into what category percentage wise and how does that compare to the first variant that went through last year so a lot of times in the er we see we not only see the sickest of the sick ones but we are seeing a lot of thankfully ones that are healthier and they're able to go home so that does encompass a lot of the younger population so i would say you know we are seeing um i don't know if it would be the majority i would say that it, it would be the majority 30s 40s 50s um just younger like healthier people thankfully some of them are getting discharged home and they're able to either get discharged with oxygen and they don't need to be admitted to the hospital so those are you know a little bit better scenarios um but we still see are seeing elderly we're seeing it run rampant in in nursing homes so mm -hmm. still yeah. a big chunk 
of, of, you know, the elderly population that are just, you know, getting hit hard with it, especially with, with comorbidities and chronic illness and stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't say like, thankfully, like younger in the 20, I, I would say like, it's, it's more so obviously the older you are and the more comor comorbidities that you have, the more at risk you are for, for really struggling with the virus. Um, but we, we, like I said, this time around with this Delta variant, for whatever reason, we are seeing a way stronger population of, of younger, healthy people that are just absolutely struggling so hard with it. What are their, um, most pervasive symptoms in that age group, thirties, forties, fifties? Um, just developing a fever, cough, shortness of breath, their oxygen saturations are just, you know, they, we, we aim for, you know, about like 93, 94 and above. And they're like in the seventies, eighties, if they're critical and they're coming in by EMS, I mean, we've seen somehow, I, I don't know how, but these, these younger people, they're, they're awake and they're talking to you and their oxygen saturation is in the twenties and thirties. It's, I've never seen it in my life. I never thought that it was even possible. You know, they're they're obviously not looking too great, but they're somehow still awake. Normally, that would not be the case, right? Um, like I've I've never seen someone just kind of up and and looking around and being you know somewhat alert, but like to see that oxygen saturation in the twenties when it's supposed to be pushing a hundred, it's just it's it's awful. I don't want to be morbid, but how many of the people that you treat end up passing away from COVID and how many are you able to send back home in some sort of state of recovery? So um, it's hard to say because from an ER standpoint, we a lot of times don't know what ends up with these patients. Right. We'll send right. them up to the ICU. We'll send them up to the PCU, the progressive care unit. Okay. And then we never know. It's that's like the, one of the hardest parts of being an ER nurse is that you can't follow through with the patient's care, and you never you never really know. Like you don't get that closure of what ends up happening with them. Um, but I will say a good majority, um, like I said earlier, thankfully, we are able to give them, we give them like a little kit with a, a home monitoring equipment, like an oxygen, um, an oxygen sensor, a thermometer, um, so they can check their oxygen and their temperature at home and they record it in a little app and someone follows up with them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we, we are seeing a, a good chunk of those patients that we are able to discharge home. But the ones that end up going upstairs, like we, it's it's hard to say because we never end up seeing their outcomes. Um, so sometimes they end up if you know if they come to the ER and they're um, in critical condition and they do end up passing away, we will see. You know, sometimes if we test them and we see if they're positive, then you see it that way. But it's for the most part, we don't end up knowing what happens to these patients, and that is such it's a, such a struggle not knowing. Right. Um, the outcomes. Let's talk about kids um, and, and what you're seeing with kids in the ER. There is so much concern and conversation in the in the parental community about masking, not masking, how badly kids are impacted, um, what the symptoms look like. So let me start by asking um, if, and again, I want to make clear, you're not speaking for your hospital system. We're not even naming it. We're not going to say you're an official spokesperson in any way, but from your personal experience, does this seem to be impacting younger children more? So let's say on 18 and under, or under 18 and under. So it is actually hard to say because we, I work on the adult side of the ER. So we only see oh, so 18 and up. 
Um, okay. Okay. We'll say that we, we still have access to be able to see what's going on on the pediatric side um, in our system. And I mean, I will say just flipping over and, and looking at their tracker, I'm, you know, you're able to see that there's, there's quite a few over there that they're, they're testing as well and that are turning up positive. Um, so, you know, I would just say at any age, no matter what, you know, if, if we can do everything that we can to just, you know, just be so respectful of this virus. And, and, you know, I know it's hard with, with children. I don't have any children my own yet, but like, I, I can't even imagine trying to get kids to wear a mask and there's like that whole debacle. It's just, it's, it's just such a struggle trying to, to navigate this, you know? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because every parent I do think has their own um, belief system mm -hmm. about this virus based on whatever information they're ingesting. Um, and it is interesting because you can have a conversation with a parent who is uh, very deliberate about masking their children and following the rules. And then, you know, their best friends with the parent who's like, hashtag no mask. I mean, like, like, the, you know, running a whole, you know, separate life. And um, it's interesting to, to see, I would, I would love to talk with a, the, you know, head of the pediatric ER and see if there's, cause that, that was a question that came up time and time again is um, how bad is it really for kids and what are the symptoms look like? Are you able to speak to that at least maybe to let us know to, for the parents out there, if the symptoms do sort of run parallel to those of adults? I would say, honestly, I, from what I've heard, I, I don't think that it is losing as much havoc on children as it is in the adult population. So thankfully, there's that kind of hope to have um, that, you know, these, you, you know, normally, if you have a young, healthy kid, you know, they're going to be able to, to fight it off. So I, I haven't heard too much. But then again, obviously, I, I don't see too many kids. Mm -hmm. um, in our ER since I'm on the adult side, but I, I do know that it's, it's, it's not as prevalent, the severity of the symptoms in children. Okay. Speaking of children, my child is screaming. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Yes. Yeah. I'll be right there. I'm in the middle of an interview. Okay. Okay. Love you. <laughs> um, Okay, let's dive back into um, any other sort of recent episodes or things you've seen happening in the ER. Has care changed versus the alpha variant? Um, because we know that this strain seems to be a little more intense and a little more virulent. Is it impacting the way you guys are responding um, sort of in terms of a timeline of getting into treatment right away? Um, all I, I know is, is, um, certain medications that they are, you know, coming up with over time. And this is just because we have now, you know, been through this for so long that we're starting to, you know, use more of the remdesivir and, and coming up with, with more treatment options. It's, it's honestly all about symptom management and, mm -hmm. and keeping these patients comfortable and keeping them oxygenated. Um, we're just seeing we're just having to do a lot more of it this time around now that we are just seeing so many people struggling with it. Um, so it, it, it's all about just managing the symptoms, managing the fever, the cough, the shortness of breath. Um, Cause unfortunately there's, there's no like magical cure yet. You know, what about ivermectin? We keep hearing that drug name being thrown around. I believe it's like an animal 
drug? Have you heard of this? I've, I've heard of, of a couple different things. Um, it's, it's hard in the ER because a lot of times we are just stabilizing these patients right. and shipping them right. out. So these like experimental um, drugs that they're bringing on board. I know I've seen remdesivir a few times if we're, if we're holding patients mm -hmm. um, in the ER that are just waiting for rooms upstairs. We're starting to kind of give those treatments in the ER. Other than that one though, I haven't seen too much because normally that happens more like in the inpatient world when they, when they get upstairs. Right, right, right. Um, what, what do you want to let people know um, who, whose job it doesn't involve dealing with this virus every day, things we might be missing, bits of information we should know to keep ourselves safer, anything? I think it's just, um, you know, like I said earlier, I, I, you know, if I could show people what it looks like, I would, if I could just bring a little camera and I could show people what the possibility is for them, if they get this virus, um, you know, I just, I don't even know if that would still be enough because they have though, you know, they've, they've had, um, you know, video footage in the ICUs where they're proning patients and, and so on and so forth. And it just doesn't seem to be enough. So, so all I can do is, is just, you know, explain to people just no matter what it's, it's just such a rough virus to have. It's such a, like, just the doom on these patients' faces of just trying to take the next breath to breathe. It's just, I can't convey that one single, you know, piece of information enough how awful it is to watch people just struggle to breathe. Yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine having to deal with that emotionally and then coming home and still feeling like you have to convince people that this is a real thing. Right. That's where it just, it just gets exhausting, you know? Um, like, you know, when it first started, everybody was, you know, we were all trying to navigate this and find out, you know, the severity and so on and so forth. But I mean, we've been in this and we're in the thick of it again. And so it's just, there's no question about it. We, we, you know, we just have to just be as, as careful as we can. And, and I'm a big proponent of still, still, you know, living your life. And, and obviously, you know, you can't, you can't put your whole life on hold for this and live in fear, but there's gotta be a healthy balance of, of protecting yourself and, um, and still, and still, you know, going out and living life. Cause mm -hmm. like I said, we, I mean, I just, I, I don't want to go around living in fear, but we, we just have to be respectful that this is still here and it's not going away. Before we wrap, I do want to ask you if what you're seeing, again, from your personal experience only mirrors what we spoke to our friend, the speech pathologist about, which was a seemingly higher incidence with this variant of a stroke type reaction, or is that like a pulmonary issue? What is it? What is stroke categorized under? She's talking about like a neurological kind of response that she's treating her patients for much more frequently with this strain than the alpha variant. Is that what you're seeing on your side as well? Um, that's, that once again, unfortunately is, is more so something that they are seeing later on down the road. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, the thing is, is that we see, we see strokes all day long and, and who we find out later down the road that, oh, they were positive for COVID. So those right. connections are being made. 
Um, and it does, yeah, it has to do, I believe, with um, with COVID creating a risk of developing blood clots mm-hmm. and um, so on and so forth. And, and we're just, you know, we're seeing that. And then we're seeing um, people who have recovered from it, but just aren't fully back 100% to the way they were before. People who are still short of breath, people who can't walk up a flight of stairs without struggling to breathe. So we're just seeing so many um, or hearing about more so just because, like I said, we see these people when they first come in and don't really get to follow through with them all that often. But you just I, I do hear about and even from from my coworkers who have gotten it as well, just hearing their struggles of still months down the line, not having their taste, not having their smell, um, getting short of breath easier. So the long term effects are just so scary as well. And these are people that I presumably, if they're working in the medical field, are, are vaccinated even. Um, yes. Now, this was kind of earlier before when um, not a lot of us were getting vaccinated, or b- before the vaccine even came oh. out, just hearing yeah. about how um, how much of a long-term effect that it can really have on you. Um, but thankfully, you know, a lot of us are vaccinated and, you know, we support the vaccine and, and really just want to get that out there too. You know, how are you emotionally? How's this been for you this past year? It's, I mean, it's been tough. Um, I, you know, like I said, just, just being upfront and personal with these patients that are just like me and you and, and just, just watching them just sit there and just watch their, their color turn and just, not being able to breathe and and coughing and just struggling so hard. It's, it really does make you like just internally almost have this pain for them. You know, I can't even imagine what, what they feel like, obviously, because they're the one experiencing the symptoms, but you, you get this like deep pain inside of you. Like, Oh my, like I almost wish I could like give you my air or something like, you know, it's it's strong, you know, it weighs you down. Um, mentally and and you just kind of you really feel for these people yeah well we are grateful that you took a few minutes to explain what life has been like for you for the past couple of weeks um fingers crossed that at least in florida we are going to be on the downhill soon i don't know if you're anything about that but um it's been it's been uh, quite a few weeks i'm trying to explain to people who don't live in the area who still have yet to be as hit as hard as we are like how it's literally everywhere. Like if you haven't had it, you, you know, someone. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. So I appreciate your perspective, Laura. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. We will be back very shortly with other accounts, firsthand accounts of people working um, on the front lines as this variant continues to spread throughout the country. So stay tuned for that. I'm just going to drop them when I get them. Um, We're kind of in the process of scheduling a bunch of things right now, but you can expect to hear from an OBGYN based here in Florida who's talking all about pregnancy and COVID, the specific symptoms to watch out for, what best treatments need to happen, and whether or not they should get vaccinated. You'll also hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm working on this one here from an ER nurse who's based here in the Orlando area as well, who's seeing some pretty intense stuff. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abata, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. <laughs>